Story Hour Audio Adventures presents Hubert and Elizabeth Chapter 3 Prince Charming spiral staircase to the very top of the stone tower. Bursting through the ancient wooden door, sword gleaming in the setting sun, he called to the evil magician, Unhand the princess you fiend! The wizard sneered at the handsome prince and snarled, Do you have to make so much noise when you eat? What? Do you have to chew in my ear? You're so loud! Oh, oh sorry. These peanut butter sandwiches are delicious. I had no idea anything could taste so good. Just chew over there, somewhere, okay? Hubert scratched his leathery belly contentedly, enjoying the warm sun. Hubert was a smallish dragon, about the size of a school bus, as he was still fairly young. His dark green scales glinted in the sunlight, a subtle iridescence that played across the surface of the scales in a way that Elizabeth could watch for hours. Hubert had spread out his long, membranous wings beside him as they lay in the middle of a grassy clearing. This served double duty, as it helped cool Hubert and also provided some welcome shade for his friend. Elizabeth leaned against his leathery body as she read from the book she had brought with her. All right, just finish the story. It's getting to the good part. The magician released the princess, who fell limp to the floor, gasping for breath. You will never stop me, called the magician, and pointed a gnarled wand at the princess. And you will never again see your precious princess. I will banish her to the very ends of the earth. Why is it the princess is always in trouble? Does anyone ever capture the prince? Hmm, no, I don't think so. Usually it's the princess. Weird. The prince only smiled, though, and called to the magician. I fear not, my evil adversary, for I have found your hidden laboratory, and I have discovered your secret. You are not as you appear, and this potion shall reveal your true self. The prince tossed a small glass vial at the magician's feet, and when it shattered, a noxious yellow mist arose from the glass fragments and surrounded the magician. When the mist cleared, an impossibly old man remained, an antiquated shell of the magician's former self. What have you done? You've ruined me! No! The wizened creature howled in despair, burst to dust, and was gone. Rushing forward, the prince knelt at the princess's feet and lovingly grasped her hand. My princess, I am so relieved that you are unharmed. Before another calamity can befall us, I must ask for your hand in marriage. Please, would you consent to be my wife and rule this land as her queen? The princess's dazzling blue eyes sparkled in the setting sun and in a fluid motion rose to her feet to gaze lovingly at her prince. Of course I will marry you. You have always been my one true love. The prince's heart lifted with joy, and he leaned down to press his lip to hers. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are they doing? Why are they pressing their lips together? It's called kissing. Princes and princesses do it all the time. What for? Sounds disgusting. I don't know. It's always in these stories. Well, it does not sound very appealing. Here, let me try it. N no Before Elizabeth could object... The dragon leaned down and gently bumped his mouth against the little girl's head. Caught between his mouth and his leathery side, Elizabeth slumped and waited patiently for Hubert to withdraw. His lips, dry and smooth and smelling faintly of peanut butter, was soft against her face. Hubert's soft, cool breath tickled her ear. She felt a trickle of something warm and wet drip down the side of her neck. 
You're drooling! Ugh, get away from me! Oops, sorry. It's those peanut butter sandwiches. Elizabeth wiped at her face in an effort to remove the slime. That's disgusting! Exactly. So why would that prince even want to do that? So, kissing is out then. Uh, yeah. Okay, well let's get to the end of the story. That's it. After the kissing, that's the end of the story. Why does the magician go, no, like that? What's that all about? People in stories always do that when they've been defeated. They know they've lost, and they're filled with despair. I like it. Why did the prince have his sword in his hand when he knew he had to use the magic potion to defeat the magician? I don't know. Every story you've ever read to me is somebody with a sword, looking to spear someone with it. It's barbaric. Do dragons ever fight each other? Well, not really. If there's a disagreement between two dragons that can't be resolved through common sense and discussion, then they have a challenge. What's a challenge? Well, it's like a battle. The two dragons face each other and move back and forth, like this. The dragon rose to his feet and stood facing Elizabeth. Hubert lumbered around the clearing, weaving a complicated pattern in the grass with all the grace of an elephant ballerina. Elizabeth watched a bemused expression on her face as he swung his head back and forth like a snake ready to strike. Okay, so you move back and forth like this, looking for an opening. Always have to keep moving, always moving. And then, when you see an opening, you strike. Hubert's blunt snout suddenly lunged forward and his jaws snapped shut with a clang above Elizabeth's head. She ducked involuntarily. You bite them? How is that more civilized than fighting with swords? Oh, no, no. We only place our jaws on the neck of the other dragon to show that we could have bitten them if we wanted to. It's a symbolic thing. You don't actually need to bite someone to show that you've won. Once the other dragon realizes they've lost, they give up and you've won the argument. Civilized. Have you ever fought in a challenge like that? Oh, sure. Lots of times. It happens more often with younger dragons till they learn to resolve issues more peacefully. Do you win? Well, no, actually, I've never won, but only because the other dragons cheat. Elizabeth patted her friend on a scaly leg. Don't worry, you'll get it. Here, I can practice on you. Oh, you think you can beat me, do you? Yeah, with my eyes shut. We'll see then. Do your worst. Hubert raised himself up to his full height and stretched out his wings, his long tail whipping the grass. Elizabeth, for her part, dodged back and forth in the clearing, trying to stay out of Hubert's long reach. Oh, you were in so much trouble. Hubert reared his head back and struck far above Elizabeth's head. The scissors sound of Hubert's jaws clanging shut echoed throughout the clearing. Before Hubert could regain his balance and strike again, a voice called out from behind him. Foul dragon, withdraw from this fair maiden and leave now, before you taste the sting of my trusty blade. Hubert and Elizabeth turned to the newcomer. The owner of the voice galloped into the clearing on a powerful-looking chestnut stallion. The rider leaped off his horse and placed himself between Elizabeth and Hubert, his gleaming blade pointed at the dragon. Quickly, young maiden, flee while I teach this vicious brute a lesson. Uh, what? Hey, Elizabeth, he's gonna stick me with that sword! You had best make your escape while you can, dragon, before I'm forced to engage you in battle. No. Stop! Wait! The dragon's not attacking me! He's my friend! The prince lowered his sword and looked back at Elizabeth in confusion. Are you quite sure? Listen to him snarling and growling. He looks mighty vicious to me. Elizabeth once again regretted that Hubert couldn't speak English. When they had first met, Hubert had given her one of his scales. 
While she held the scale or kept it safe in her pocket, the growls and snarls that formed the dragon language were transformed so that she could understand them. Only a dragon expert who had studied dragons for years could understand dragon speak without a scale. It was certainly inconvenient, as it was very difficult to explain to others that Hubert meant them no harm. The dragon is a friend of mine. His name is Hubert. We were only playing a game when you arrived. He's not dangerous at all. The rider almost reluctantly sheathed his sword and turned back to the dragon. A thousand apologies, noble dragon. I did not wish to harm you. I only sought to protect this young lady's life. That's okay. These things happen. To me. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Prince Charming, from the fair kingdom of Perrin. The prince bowed deeply with a wide sweep of his hand. The rider looked to be a little older than Elizabeth in his mid-teens. The handsome young man was elegantly dressed in fine tan leathers and a white cotton tunic bearing the crest of Perrin on his chest. On his head sat a small golden crown, finely wrought and encrusted with gemstones. The prince returned to his mount, a fine chestnut-brown horse with a white star blazed on his forehead. A large, powerfully built dog with a blunt reptilian snout and glistening black fur slunk from behind the horse and stood next to the prince, its yellow eyes fixed upon Hubert. The prince absentmindedly stroked the dog's flat head as he murmured softly to it, calming the beast in low, soothing tones. What was that no about? What were you doing? Well, that's what you do when you're defeated, remember? What are you talking about? He had a sword. What was I supposed to do? That's not how it works. The prince returned to Elizabeth and Hubert and smiled broadly. I was hunting in these fair woods when I heard the unmistakable sounds of an attacking dragon. Prince Charming strode over to Elizabeth, taking her hand in his and gazing down into Elizabeth's eyes. I am so pleased to find you unharmed. Watch out! Don't let him kiss you! Elizabeth shot her friend a dirty look and then returned her gaze to the handsome prince. It's very nice to meet you, your highness. My name is Elizabeth, and my dragon friend is named Hubert. I am so pleased to meet you both. I must say it is unusual to see human and dragon socializing together. You must be a remarkable young woman to have befriended such a typically reclusive creature. Elizabeth blushed. Well, my new friends, I must return to my hunting. May we meet again soon. Before the prince could mount his horse, a voice called from the clearing's edge. Brother, are you there? Are you quite safe from this marauding dragon? Of course, Ariana. Please, come meet my new friends. Stepping from the ring of trees surrounding the clearing, a dazzling white horse appeared, and upon it the young girl about the same age as the prince. She was also dressed finely in riding apparel, and the delicate tiara on top of her long braided hair sparkled in the sunlight. She smiled as she approached Elizabeth, and after dropping lightly to the ground, curtsied deeply to Hubert, and then took Elizabeth's hand in hers. My most humble greetings to you, miss, and this most wonderful creature. I've long hoped to meet one of their kind though I have never had the opportunity before today. My name is Ariana. I am Prince Charming's twin sister. I was about to rebuke him for leaving me stranded in the woods alone, but I can see now how he became so distracted. My dear sister, I would never leave you without good cause. I had thought this young lady might require some defense against a vicious dragon, but as you can see, she is quite capable on her own. Dear Ariana, I am pleased to introduce you to Miss Elizabeth and her dragon friend, Hubert. I am pleased to meet you both. I would love to hear how you came to befriend a dragon. In fact, my mother and father would be fascinated as well. 
Would you please accompany us to our castle so you can regale us with the tales of your adventures? A wonderful idea. Father would love to meet a dragon, and Mother has been bored to tears since returning from vacation. Please, do come with us. Elizabeth looked doubtful. I don't know, Your Highness. I'm really not dressed to visit royalty. Elizabeth looked down at her simple dress. She had gotten it filthy again while playing with Hubert. Her mother would once again scold her for not being more careful with her clothes. Elizabeth glanced again at Ariana, who moved with such grace and serenity, and she self-consciously tried to tame her tangled mess of hair with her fingers. Nonsense! You can borrow some of Ariana's clothes if you like, although a story of adventure is best told by someone who looks like they've lived the part. Am I right? Please, say you'll come. Elizabeth looked at Hubert, who shrugged noncommittally. We'll have a magnificent feast to celebrate the occasion. Hubert, you shall eat like you've never eaten before. I'm in. Elizabeth sighed and nodded her acceptance to the twins' plan. We would, of course, be honored to accompany you. Wonderful. You may ride with Ariana, if you like. That's okay. We'll make our own way. Hubert unfolded his long wings, and Elizabeth clambered up the wing to seat herself on Hubert, between the two long rows of spikes that ran down his back. Wonderful. Mother and father will be so pleased. The royal twins deftly mounted their horses and rode out of the clearing, followed a well-worn path through the forest. Hubert lumbered behind them, easily keeping pace with the horses. So, when is the right time to do the whole no thing? It's an expression of utter despair. You've been defeated and all is lost. You don't just yell no every time there's danger. It's not meant to be a way of just giving up. I fail to see the difference. By the time the group reached the castle, it was nearly lunchtime, and Hubert's belly grumbled loudly. How can you still be hungry? You ate all my sandwiches! I can't help it. I'm a growing dragon. Never having seen a castle up close, Elizabeth and Hubert couldn't help but be impressed. The castle had been constructed of a white brick that gleamed in the sunshine. Red clay shingles gave the palace a homey look, as did the bright banners decorated with the royal crest of Perrin. It was not an outrageously large castle, but nicely kept. The castle walls formed a square around the palace grounds, with large towers at the corners. Hubert stepped over a dainty moat and through the castle gate to a massive courtyard. The courtyard was a large open space within the castle grounds, open to the sky. It was beautifully maintained, with small gardens and hedges of red roses dotting the area. Colorful banners decorated with the royal crest of Perrin hung along the walls or dangled from flagpoles. Crowds of people milled around the open square. Members of the royal court, followed patiently by handmaidens and servants, laughed and chatted among themselves, while cleaning staff and cooks and gardeners busied themselves with their duties. At the far end of the courtyard, the castle proper stretched up into the sky. With its jumble of towers and turrets, winding staircases and grand halls, the castle looked like a wedding cake gone wonderfully awry. Elizabeth instantly loved the castle. It was exactly how she had always imagined a fairy tale castle might appear. Despite the sudden arrival of a large dragon in their castle grounds, the people remained calm and cheerful. Several people waved shyly at the prince, who returned the greetings with equal enthusiasm. It's beautiful! Thank you, thank you. It is not as large as some, but it suits us well. And we have the good fortune of an enchanting citizenry. The prince waved to an older man tending an immaculate garden along one wall of the courtyard. Mr. Pilkington, how are you this fine afternoon? About time for lunch, isn't it? The old man's jaw dropped at the sight of the dragon following his prince, but he recovered and answered cheerfully. Oh, 
Oh, hi, your highness. It is indeed. Thank you for reminding me. Elizabeth was impressed. She had often heard, in stories and in the gossiping of adults, that the rulers of many kingdoms were often cruel or thoughtless towards the peasants. But Prince Charming seemed to truly care for the people of his kingdom. Elizabeth noticed, though, that Ariana was frowning. Her ruby lips pursed with displeasure. As they approached the palace, the small procession was met by royal guards. A group of ten soldiers with bow and arrow nervously eyed Hubert, but the leader, a large man with an enormous mustache and ears to match, looked only to the prince. Your Highness, what do we have here? Ah, my good captain of the guard. Thank you for meeting us on such short notice. As you can see, we have honored guests. They have granted us the favor of their presence for a feast this very afternoon. But, uh, sir, can, can we trust the dragon? We've all heard the stories. The captain of the guard glanced at Hubert, who tried to adopt a who-me expression. Fear not, my good man. The dragon is quite sociable, as the young Miss Elizabeth has discovered. This fine creature is our guest, and shall be treated with the utmost respect. Hubert sat up straighter and tried to look regal. The soldiers allowed them to pass, and within moments the quartet walked through a large doorway into a massive dining hall. The enormous room would hold hundreds of people, and Elizabeth imagined attending the festive dinners and banquets that must be eaten here. Elizabeth nervously smoothed her dress, wishing she hadn't wrestled so enthusiastically with Hubert that morning. I'm afraid this is the only room I can think of that will seat you comfortably, Hubert. I must go now, and begin preparations for the feast, and inform mother and father of our guests. Ariana will go fetch some clothing for you, Miss Elizabeth, so that you can be more comfortable when you speak to the king and queen. With a reassuring smile at Elizabeth, Ariana and Charming left the room, leaving Elizabeth and Hubert alone in the massive hall. Elizabeth's heart did a little flip-flop as she thought of actually meeting royalty. She desperately tried to remember from her readings how to actually greet a member of royalty. Do you curtsy to the king and bow to the queen? What do you call them? Your royal highness sound a bit long. Your majesty? His royal imperator, King Perrin III? Elizabeth was starting to think this had been a big mistake. When is the food coming? How can you think about food at a time like this? We're about to meet a king and queen. Aren't you a little bit nervous? No, they're not my king or queen. Now, if I were about to meet Sparksnout, the Scorcher, I'd be really scared. He's the world champion flame belcher. He can spit a fireball so far he could burn down a village without even moving from... Hubert noticed then Elizabeth's dark look. Well, not that he would, of course. Hubert was saved by Ariana's return. She did not, however, have the expected pile of clothing bundled in her arms. I must speak to you quickly, before my brother returns. Sure. What is wrong, Ariana? The Prince Charming you met today is not my real brother. What? What do you mean he's not your real brother? Who is he? I do not know. Did you notice that big black dog that was hunting with the prince? Elizabeth remembered the dog and shivered slightly. The brute looked like a predator. The way it moved, always lurking in the shadows, gave Elizabeth the creeps. Ever since that dog appeared about two months ago, my brother has completely changed. He looks to be the same person, but he has been acting differently. Something has happened to my brother. Ariana sighed and gracefully sank to a low bench, wringing her hands worriedly. At least a couple times a day, that brute leaves the castle and disappears into the forest. Sometimes Charming goes with him, sometimes it's alone. 
I've tried falling, but it moves so quickly it disappears before I can track it. When I saw you riding on Hubert's back, I realized how easily you could follow them. From the air, you track their progress and see where they disappear to. Ariana held her hands together, pleading with Elizabeth. Please, my friends, I saw the foul beast leave the castle grounds just moments ago. If you fly now, you can track it easily. I must know what has happened to my brother, and only you can find out for me. Will you help me? Elizabeth looked to her friend. Can we go after the feast? I'm really hungry. Of course we'll go. We'll find out where that dog is going and come back in time to meet your parents. Ariana beamed through her tears. Oh, thank you so much. You can't imagine how worried I've been. I must find out what has happened to my brother. I must know my brother is safe. Also, Charming is the next in line to the throne. If someone has replaced him, he could someday have control over the entire kingdom. Elizabeth promised they would return as quickly as they could. They left the dining hall and hurried across the courtyard towards the large gates exiting the castle. They were barely halfway across when the captain of the guard stepped in front of them. I thought you two were in the company of Prince Charming and Princess Ariana. Have you been given permission to leave? Elizabeth tried to think quickly. She couldn't say she was racing out to investigate their prince. If word got out that something was wrong with them, people would panic. Something like this had to be kept a secret until they knew for sure. Um, we were... Say something. Make up some excuse for leaving. I want to do this quickly and get back. I'm starving. Uh, My dragon has become a bit ill. All the excitement has upset his belly. Uh, We'll be back in a few minutes. The captain of the guard frowned. You're not supposed to leave the castle without permission from the prince. Uh, Look, do you want him to have an accident here in the courtyard? You think that flames coming out of his mouth is bad. You should see the other end. Oh, come on. The captain, of course, not possessing the dragon scale, only heard the snarls and growls of the dragon language, but the pained look on Hubert's face decided him. Well, okay, but be back quickly. The king and queen will be expecting you soon. Rather than trundle around the captain and out through the opened archway, Hubert crouched down and pushed hard on the ground, leaping straight up until Hubert cleared the top wall of the castle. Elizabeth groaned as she was crushed to Hubert's back by the force of the leap. He snapped his wings out and they glided above the castle, circling the gleaming towers while they searched for the prince's mysterious dog. Elizabeth struggled to sit upright again on Hubert's back. Can you warn me before you do that? I nearly broke my nose! Well, I had to leave before I had an accident all over the courtyard. Well, I had to say something to explain why we were leaving. I can't tell him that someone has replaced the prince. It was the only thing I could think of. Well, I don't like it. Dragons don't have a dangerous back end. Okay, I'm sorry. Next time I'll be the one that has to go to the bathroom. Deal. Before long, Hubert and Elizabeth found the prince's dog. It was running swiftly through the forest, slinking around the trees and bushes like a snake. Thankfully, the trees were fairly sparse in this region and they could easily follow its progress. It wasn't long before the forest thinned out altogether. The trees were replaced with tall, twisted columns of obsidian that reached high into the air. The ground was rocky here, but black with a sheen that looked like melted glass. Massive pools of boiling mud spotted the landscape. The muscular black dog picked up speed, loping along the dark and gloomy terrain. Oh wow, look at that! Elizabeth looked up from watching the dog's progress and saw that they were heading towards a tall, dark castle. 
As inviting and pleasant as charming in Ariana's castle, this one was dark and bleak with ruined stone jutting into the air like broken teeth. The open space surrounding the castle was littered with chunks of rock and debris. Nothing moved in and around the castle grounds. It appeared completely deserted. I wonder what made all of the people leave. There must have been something really bad. The dog ran towards the castle, nimbly avoiding the boiling mud, through the crumbling gateway and disappeared. There isn't enough room for me to land in the castle courtyard. We'll have to walk in. I think that's a good idea. We don't want that dog to see us. Wings buffeted by a hot, dry wind, Hubert landed roughly on the dark rock a short distance from the castle. Stay on my back. The ground's really hot here. Elizabeth didn't argue, and as Hubert carefully picked his way along the rough ground, she helped by pointing out mud pits and sharp stones he may have missed. Oh, this looks dangerous, eh? Whoa! Hubert gingerly lifted one foot off the ground. His green scale steamed as red-hot liquid poured off his foot. The rock beneath him had crumbled, revealing a pool of lava hidden beneath a thin layer of hardened crust. Now that they were aware of the lava, they could see that the thin layer of rock hiding the molten pool was a bit lighter in color than the surrounding rock. It appeared the lava pool was very large, easily big enough to swallow the dragon. With a gulp, Elizabeth saw many other similar light-shaded circles surrounding the castle. Oh, ow! That is hot! It's a good thing you weren't walking here. Yeah, though I don't know if I would be heavy enough to break through the hardened crust on top. Avoiding the hidden pools of lava, Hubert picked his way across the barren landscape until they at last reached the castle gate. The large oak gates that would have once withstood an army's advance hung broken on one hinge. Large planks of timber lay cracked and broken on the ground. There was no sign of the dog or of any living thing, but as Elizabeth looked around, she spied a thin glow of light coming from a window high in the single unbroken tower. Up there! Something is up there! Quietly. Let's take a look. The two friends made their way across the ruined courtyard to a large set of double oak doors. They protested loudly when Elizabeth pulled them apart, and Hubert looked around wildly, expecting attack from the mangy dog. Still, there was no sign of life as they made their way through the deserted dining hall to a winding, broken staircase that spiraled up the lone tower. Does this remind you of anything? What? The story I read to you earlier. We're climbing up the stairs to the top of a tower, just like the prince in the book. Well, hope we find a beautiful princess and not an evil magician. I wish I had a sword. Well, no thanks. I know I'd be the one to get poked with it. Elizabeth's legs were starting to burn from the long climb when they finally reached the top of the stairs. If possible, the castle felt even more gloomy and desperate as they rose up the tower. There was an unnatural stillness in the air, as if something were hiding and biding its time, waiting to pounce. Embedded in the stone roof above them sat a small trap door. A simple sliding bolt kept it closed. I can't fit through there. You'll have to go alone. Elizabeth gulped. Okay, I'll go in. Then you stick your head through. Oh, good, good, good. I'll bite anyone that tries to grab you, okay? Elizabeth walked up the remaining wooden stairs to the trap door and pulled the bolt. The door swung easily upwards into the room at the top of the tower. Elizabeth decided the best course of action would be to treat this just like the prince in the story did, so she ran up the remaining steps and leaped into the room. Stop where you are! At first, the room seemed empty, but as her eyes adjusted to the gloom, she spied a small chair on which a figure was bound with ropes. As the figure raised his head, Elizabeth gasped. As impossible as it seemed, she recognized the prisoner. Prince Charming? What are you doing here? 
The figure tied to the chairs grunted and struggled with his ropes. Elizabeth realized then the prince was gagged, making him unable to speak. She walked over and pulled the cloth from his mouth. Prince Charming! Are you okay? Oh yes, I'm wonderful. I'm on vacation. Can't you see how cozy I am? It's a real paradise up here. Tied to a chair? Will you hurry up and untie me? Elizabeth rushed forward to release the prince from his bounds. Charming stood up and slowly stretched, trying to ease the kinks out of his back. How did you get here so quickly? We came straight from the castle. How could you get here before us? Hubert popped his head up through the trap door, his massive dragon head filling the confined space of the tower. What's going on? Before Elizabeth could react, Prince Charming squealed and kicked the dragon under the chin. There was a hollow thump as Hubert flinched backwards and smacked his head on the back of the trap door. Hey! Wait! Stop! He's with me! We're here to help you! How dare you startle a royal prince! He's not dangerous. He's not going to eat you. Hubert tried to fit a front leg through the trap door to rub the spot that Charming had kicked. Uh, we'll see about that. Might be worth the bellyache. Prince Charming, who brought you here to this castle? And how did you get here ahead of us? I saw you at your home only an hour ago. An hour ago? I've been stuck in this tower for two months. Hasn't anyone been looking for... Wait a minute. An hour ago? An imposter sits on my throne. Someone has been impersonating me and no one has been the wiser. The young prince's face flushed with rage. No one could guess that a common thief and charlatan has replaced me. This is an outrage. Heads will roll. Prince Charming pointed at Elizabeth. You, filthy little girl. You will take me from this place and I will return triumphant to my home and roust the imposter from my home. Elizabeth frowned. This Prince Charming was not as she had expected. The first prince had been so gallant and, well, charming. I like the fake prince better. And remove that beast from my presence. It, it offends me. The dragon's name is Hubert, and he is my friend. If it weren't for him, we would never have found you. Now let's get going. The sooner we get you home, the better. Hubert carefully eased his head out of the hole in the floor and disappeared from view, still grumbling to himself. Elizabeth was about to climb down the ladder herself when she noticed the prince was not following. Coming? <clears throat> My bag? Elizabeth noticed then a small, dirty satchel lying on the floor beside the chair. You want me to carry that for you? A royal prince does not carry his own bags. Hubert poked his head up through the trap door, eliciting another squeak from Charming. What's taking so long? Elizabeth sighed and returned to the chair to pick up the bag. His possessions in order, the prince stepped down the ladder and followed Elizabeth and Hubert down the winding set of stairs. What a revolting place! My castle is so much nicer. This place is dank, smelly, vile. It's, it's too dark in here. And dusty! Did anyone think to bring the royal prince a drink of water? Can you two slow down? My royal feet are becoming tired. You, beast! You may carry me down the stairs. I may throw you down the stairs. Have you noticed that creature is always growling and grumbling? Is it unable to shut up? He's not growling. He's talking. He doesn't speak English. The only way you can understand him is if... I don't care. Just keep it away from me. Well, what is it saying? You don't want to know. <laughs> Whatever. Father says all the beasts of the world were created to serve me. 
What do I care what they talk about as long as they do my bidding? The group continued plodding down the endless spiral of stairs in silence until, at last, they reached the bottom. Finally! Oh, now, Beast, carry me home. His name is Hubert, and you can ask nicely. I shall call the creature whatever I want. Shush! How dare you shush me! I am a royal prince. Shush! Can you hear something? From somewhere deep in the depths of the abandoned castle, a low, dangerous growl rumbled. It echoed, bouncing and tumbling through the ruined halls until it arrived at the trio, distorted and rough. Hubert shivered at the sound. Oh, we better get out of here. For once, the prince didn't complain as the trio hurried down the empty corridor and out to the main courtyard. Once in the open space of the courtyard, Hubert turned to Elizabeth. Both of you better get on my back. I'll jump out and we can fly out of here. The sooner we leave, the better. This place gives me the creeps. Elizabeth was about to tell the prince to climb onto Hubert's back when a ball of green flame roared past him and exploded against the far wall of the courtyard. The moss draped over the rocks in the courtyard sizzled as flaming liquid dropped from the wall to splatter on the ground. The trio turned to face the origin of the blast. Oozing from the broken doorway from which they had just emerged came an enormous dragon. It filled the corridors and entranceway, and as it squeezed through the doors to the courtyard, chunks of rock and timber broke free. Once free of the confines of the building, the jet-black dragon rose to its full height. Elizabeth had once met Hubert's father, briefly. He was an enormous dragon, easily three times the size of Hubert. The monstrosity before them rose much higher still. It filled the courtyard, and when it roared, Elizabeth had to clamp her hands over her ears. The ground shook with its power. Droplets of flame dripped like rain from the corners of the monster's mouth, hissing as it hit stone. I have a new idea. Run! Hubert, Elizabeth, and Prince Charming scrambled over the moss-covered boulder strewn over the courtyard, heading for the main gate. The monster roared again, and another fireball blasted the ground where they had just stood seconds before. Some of the flame splattered when it hit the ground, and a small portion of it landed on the prince's leather vest. Wiping furiously at the flames until it had been extinguished, the prince then turned to the monster's dragon. How dare you singe the royal finery! Do you know who I am? You, grumbling dragon, are you not going to defend me? Attack this offensive beast with your own volley of searing flame! Elizabeth grabbed the indignant prince and dragged him towards the open gate. Are you crazy? That dragon is trying to roast you! Well, I have never been treated with such a flagrant disrespect in all my life. And you never will again if you don't move! They ran for the exit, weaving back and forth around the boulders littering the courtyard. Fireballs exploded behind them, spurring them on. Hubert reached the first gate and dove through to the barren wasteland beyond the castle. Once Elizabeth and the prince cleared the castle and moat, Hubert called them forward. Hurry, this way! Let us jump on your back! Let's fly out of here! No, we're too exposed to the air! Just follow me! This is without a doubt the worst rescue I have ever seen. You are welcome to go back to the tower if you like. The prince didn't answer, but put on more effort into his running, until he moved up level with the sprinting Elizabeth. Hubert ran in a zigzag pattern across the rocky terrain, avoiding towers and boiling mud. The monster's dragon loped behind them, its enormous claws shattering the glassy rock beneath it. It ran again, and Elizabeth stumbled as a fireball roared over her head to impact against a tower of twisted obsidian. The tower exploded, sending razor-sharp shards of glass into the air. Hubert halted long enough for Elizabeth and the prince to cower beneath Hubert's outstretched wings, shielding them from the deadly rain of sharp rock. 
Okay, when I say now, run on ahead and keep going. Why? You aren't going to fight that dragon, are you? No way. I have an idea. Just, just go. Elizabeth and the prince ran forwards, both gasping for breath. Elizabeth expected to feel a blast of flame from the chasing dragon, and terrified held her hands above her head, as if that would protect her from the dragon. It was only when she was nearly all the way across that she realized they were running over the giant pool of lava they had discovered earlier. The thin crust of hardened rock was strong enough to support their weight, but would never hold Hubert. Elizabeth turned to warn the dragon, but he was already coming up fast behind them. Wings outstretched and with a sort of half-flying, half-scrabbling motion, Hubert skittered across the concealed lava pit. Once safely on the other side, Hubert called to his friend. Keep going! Run! The trio ran towards a distant scattering of trees, though their bare branches and meager trunks would offer little protection from the rampaging dragon behind them. A fireball blazed past them and exploded directly in front and they were forced to stop running. They turned to face their attacker. The enormous black dragon stalked towards him. Its head hung low like a lion hunting prey. Droplets of flame fell from long fangs as it slowly stalked towards him. No! Not now! Before the dragon could spit another fireball at them, there was a loud crack, and the thin crust of hardened rock that covered the lava pool broke beneath the dragon's weight. The beast roared as it fell into the liquid pool of magma. Thrashing its wings, the dragon tried to turn and climb out of the pool, its frantic flailing throwing chunks of molten rock into the air. Quick! While he's busy, get on! Hubert lowered a wing, and Elizabeth and the prince clambered onto his back. Once settled, Hubert leaped into the air, spread out his massive wings, and flew up and away from the furious howling dragon. As they soared through the air towards the castle, Elizabeth leaned over and squeezed Hubert around the neck. Wow! Hubert! That was a great idea! I thought we were done for! Uh, me too. I'm glad I remembered that lava pit. Hey! You dropped my satchel! Elizabeth glanced down. She had tied the leather bag to her belt, but in the panic and commotion it must have fallen off. Oh, sorry, Prince Charming. Shall we take you back to get it? <sighs> no, but you owe me a new satchel. I have another idea. You hang on tight, I'll flip upside down. We can check to see if he bounces when he lands. Hubert, he's a royal prince! He's a royal pain in the... The rushing wind muffled the last of that sentence as they approached the sparkling white kingdom of Perrin. The prince was all for landing in the center courtyard and arresting the impostor immediately, but Elizabeth convinced him to be a bit more cautious. You can't just barge into the castle and proclaim yourself the true prince. We need to know who this impostor is and what he really wants. Yeah, and find out if they even want the real one back. What is that dragon muttering about? Nothing important. Hubert, can you land over there behind the castle? Hubert dipped one wing, and the dragon turned and soared over the trees to the back of the castle. There, behind a grimy pig pen, they landed and found some old clothing and boots. Elizabeth waited while the prince carried the clothes to the other side of Hubert to change. Moments later, the prince emerged, looking disgusted. How can you stand this? What are these clothes made from a potato sack? You need to dirty your face. The people will recognize you. You can wear your hood up. And as long as you don't speak, no one will know who you are. Very well. If I must degrade myself by looking like a commoner, then that I will do. Gingerly, Charming knelt down to a puddle and carefully touched the tip of his nose to the mucky water. He lifted his head and examined the single spot of muck on his nose critically. How you filthy people can live like this is beyond me. 
Hubert turned slightly and with the tip of his tail smacked the prince in the back of the head, thrusting his face deep into the mud. When he emerged, his face was plastered with muck and leaves. You, you did that on purpose. I ought to put you in irons, you filthy beast. Hubert chose that moment to pick at something in his mouth, casually displaying his long fangs. Okay, everyone, let's stay calm. Put your hood up, your royal highness, and let's find out what is really going on. Charming and Elizabeth walked around to the front of the castle, Hubert trudging alongside. As the group passed over the drawbridge and through the castle gates, Charming's frown deepened. They've, they've changed the entrance. What's with all these flowers and banners? Charming spied an old man, tending a beautiful collection of flowers hanging from a wire basket. Hey, you there! Why is the castle decorated with all this fluff? Oh, aren't they nice? The young prince insisted, of course. He says a cheerful courtyard makes a cheerful castle, he does. A very clever man, our prince. Well, I think it's hideous. It's foolish to waste the kingdom's money on flowers and decorations. Huh? No filthy little scamp will disparage my prince in front of me. I'll give your ears a boxing, I will. The old man struggled to stand, but Elizabeth caught his shoulder. Don't mind him, sir. He's just tired and cranky. He doesn't know the prince as you do. The old man settled back down to the ground and plucked irritably at a weed. Aye, he's young and naive. My prince says to be patient of those who speak from ignorance. Tis not their fault they be so witless. Charming's face turned red beneath the mud. Witless! How dare you speak of the royal... Now, now, Robert. You'll just upset everyone. Let us go and find that prince you are looking for. Ah, see that you do. My prince will teach you a thing or two about manners. As quickly as they could, Hubert and Elizabeth led Prince Charming down the long walkway to the courtyard. What has this so-called prince been doing? Everyone loves the prince. The prince is so wonderful. Just wait until I find him. Charming strode forward to the courtyard, and Elizabeth and Hubert had to scramble to keep up. Once in the courtyard proper, the prince strode up to the captain of the guard, who was watching him warily. Captain! Tell me of this prince. Is he as wonderful as everyone says? Well, I won't lie to you. We've had our share of problems. Prince Charming turned and flashed a triumphant grin at Elizabeth. See? Mr. Wonderful is not so great after all. But in the last couple of months, he's really grown into his role as prince. He's matured wonderfully, and the people have really become very fond of him. Just... just the last couple of months? Oh yeah. The transformation has been amazing. We're all very proud of the progress he's made of late. Oh. I see. Without another word, the prince turned and walked stiffly to an empty space along the courtyard wall. The disheveled boy slouched down and sat upon the ground beside a small garden of roses. He seemed to be lost in thought as he picked the heads off the flowers. Elizabeth walked over and joined him on the ground. I'm sure everybody liked you when you were prince. I'm still the prince and don't you forget it. What does a prince care about the opinions of the peasantry? Everyone wants to be liked. Bah! Some old man is ecstatic because he got some flowers. Big deal. It is not as if that imposter did anything big or important. Sometimes it doesn't take much to make people happy. The little things you do for someone can be important. No one even noticed I was gone. Yes, someone did. Your sister Ariana asked us to look for you. She knew the prince was not her real brother. 
Charming brightened slightly and wiped his nose. Really? She knew that Joker was an imposter? Well, that's something anyway. Let's go find Ariana. She'll be happy to see me. Charming stood and made a fruitless attempt at brushing off his dirty clothes. Come on then, little peasant girl. Let's go find my sister. Elizabeth and the prince joined Hubert as they crossed the rest of the courtyard. The three arrived at a massive oak door that led to a main dining hall. The door was designed to withstand attacking armies and made of thick posts and rough planks of wood. Even Hubert would have trouble budging the door when it was barred. Today, though, the doors were thrown wide open and decorated with colorful banners and ribbons in preparation for the day's festivities. Once inside, Hubert let out a low whistle. Well, that is a lot of food. The center of the massive dining hall had been cleared of the usual assortment of tables and benches. All the tables had been moved to the periphery of the room, against the walls, leaving a large open space in the center. This left an enormous open space directly in front of the royal thrones at the back of the hall. The tables themselves were groaning under the weight of more food than Elizabeth had ever seen before. Vast piles of roast meat and vegetables ballast on straining tables. Enormous bowls of juice were surrounded by piles of cut fruit in every description. Elizabeth could count at least ten different cakes, including one that Elizabeth swore was taller than she was. On a long wooden table near the entrance sat an enormous pile of peanut butter sandwiches. Elizabeth couldn't imagine how many loaves of bread would be required to create such a pile. Oh, look, they remembered the peanut butter. And everything else. I've never seen so much food. Oh, it's all right, I suppose. You should see it when another king comes to visit. Elizabeth, I'm so gratified that you have returned. Have you had any luck finding... Charming? Is that you? Prince Charming tried to wipe away some of the dirt covering his face, and he grinned at his sister. Hi, sis. Ariana pulled him to her in a hug, nearly smothering him. Oh, Charming, I've been so worried. What has happened? Who is that imposter? I'm afraid that is a rather long story. They all turned towards the sound of the voice and saw the false Prince Charming, dressed natalie in a white silk blouse and fine brown leather pants. He wore a cloak over one shoulder, which exposed the long sword he wore at his hip. Even though Elizabeth had seen the false prince before, she was struck by how identical he was to the real Prince Charming. The imposter's ever-present black hound loped alongside. Its eyes shone yellow in the torchlight, and thin strands of drool dropped from the wide, blunt snout. You young children have been rather a bother today, haven't you? Now I'm afraid things are going to have to get rather unpleasant. I had hoped to avoid this. Who are you? And why have you assumed my brother's identity? I already know. You want to become the prince so you get rid of my father and become king. You want to rule this kingdom. Become king? Rule the land? Of course not. I have no desire to rule. I just enjoy being a prince. It's, it's wonderful. Banquets and feasts every other day. Servants provide me anything I desire. No one expects anything of me. I say one kind word to some old man, and he acts as if I've done something miraculous. They love me here. Why would I give that up? Because you are not actually of royal blood. I am the prince. Why? Why are you the prince? What did you do to deserve the devotion of this kingdom, other than just being born? I spent years in battle, defending this castle, risking my life for the likes of you, and for what? You've done nothing for us. As prince, you have given nothing back to the people. I deserve the riches, the leisure, far more than you. Charming looked a little taken back. 
I've done lots of things for the commoners. I've, well, there was, there was that time that I, well, once I, look, I am the prince, and there is nothing you can do about it. We'll see about that. Captain of the guard! From the courtyard, the captain came running. He bowed low to the false prince. What can I do for you, your highness? This young ruffian has dared insult me. I demand that my honor be restored. You will close the doors to this great hall, and no one is to enter or leave this room. Post all of your best archers at this entrance. If anyone dares leave this room without me, you have my permission to shoot them where they stand. That includes this dragon as well. Do you understand? The captain's eyes flickered at Hubert's scaly bulk and shivered slightly, but he bowed to the false prince. As you wish, your highness. No, captain, please, this is a mistake. I'm sorry, your highness, but the prince must defend his honor. The captain turned and strode out the great hall doors. A row of archers, bows held at the ready, formed a rough line as the door swung closed. A booming sound echoed throughout the hall as large wooden planks were placed against the doors, locking them all in the great hall. Prince Charming dusted off his hands and tried to wipe them clean on his filthy borrowed clothes. Okay, I'm you, you're me, we should have about the same strength, so let's go. The prince rushed at the imposter, arms outstretched to catch the false prince around the neck. Almost casually, the imposter swung his arm in a low arc and caught Charming on the side of the head, knocking him to the ground. Charming looked up at the imposter with surprise on his dirty face. Hey, you struck royalty. No one can hit a member of the royal family. You forget, you are not royalty. You are a simple street peasant with no name. I am the prince. Who are you? Yes, perhaps now is a time for a proper introduction. The imposter reached into a hidden pocket on his cloak and retrieved from it a small flute. It shone silver despite the dim light in the grand hall. Several small jewels decorated the length of the instrument. The false prince blew a short sequence of notes. The air around the false prince wavered for an instant. When the distortion was gone, in place of the prince, a weathered, middle-aged man appeared. The stranger stood straight and tall like a soldier on guard duty. His hair was gray and cut short as it poked out from beneath the prince's royal crown. If it were not for the dangerous situation they faced, Elizabeth might have laughed out loud, for the old man, dressed as he was in Prince Charming's fine clothes, was so completely the opposite of the royal prince. The man before them looked tough and dangerous, and damaged. The man's leathery face was badly scarred, as were what little of his arms were visible. In the delicate finery of the prince's outfit, he almost looked ridiculous. Almost. I am Sir Aranus, former corporal of the army of the Kingdom of Perrin. Wait, I know, I've heard of you. I thought you'd been eaten by a dragon. You were a soldier carrying a gift from another kingdom. And you were attacked by a dragon. You battled the dragon, saving the village, and then you disappeared. Everyone thought you'd been destroyed. Ah, uh, yes. I'm glad to hear my exploits have been recorded and passed down to the younger generation. But why have you done this? You were an honored member of the army and served the kingdom well for so many years. Exactly. Look at me. I'm lucky to still be alive after all those years. Aranus lifted his sleeve to show long scars running up and down his arms like crisscrossing cracks at an old frozen river. How many battles won? How many monstrous beasts defeated? I risked my life for years. For what? So I could lie in my cot, eat my gruel and bread, 
satisfied in a job well done, while those few fortunate enough to be born into royalty feast on roast duck and goose pate? Why should I? I became so tired of risking my life for the likes of you, I decided to leave the army, strike out on my own, maybe start a farm or something quiet, you know. Before I could leave, though, King Perrin tasked me to travel to a nearby kingdom to retrieve a gift, a single enormous diamond mounted on a stand of gold. I could buy several farms with such a gift. I decided to steal the diamond from the king and use it to create my own new life. You stole such a gift from the king? That is an outrage. The king doesn't need more gold or diamonds. I could put this to good use, help people with it. I had planned on simply disappearing with the diamond, but when I was attacked by a dragon, I saw my chance. Instead of battling with the beast, I talked to it, and I convinced him that we should work together as partners. The dragon agreed to meet me at a village where we could put on a real show, make it look like the dragon stole the diamond. The dragon spewed an enormous fireball, and while the villagers cowered, we simply walked away. We've been working together ever since. Your dragon partner was the one that attacked us at the castle. Of course. He's not pleased with the manner in which you escaped, either. That diamond was my birthday present. The diamond belongs to me. Why? What have you done? What glorious deeds have you performed to warrant such luxury? You have done nothing to deserve this. The only difference between you and a peasant child is the house in which you were born. I saw you once, before. I was passing through this kingdom and I saw you strut around, treating the commoners like animals. The arrogance you displayed sickened me. As if being born a prince made you better than everyone else. It was then that I decided I would be a better prince than you. I would take your place and show the kingdom of Perrin how the peasantry should be treated. With dignity. Respect. Yeah, by kidnapping me and holding me in a tower. No less than you deserved. I traded my diamond for a magical flute. There's a wizard nearby that will make you whatever magical item you wish, and doesn't ask too many questions. With this flute, I can transform myself or any other living being. I found you alone one day and simply transformed you to a mouse. I snuck you out of Perrin and hid you away in an abandoned castle. I then assumed your identity and became the best prince this kingdom has ever seen. And the people loved me. Your parents were so pleased as well. Only your sister suspected anything. Though I cannot imagine why she would prefer the real you. A mouse! I thought that was just a nightmare. Well, now that the truth is out, you shall spend the rest of your miserable life in prison. I'm afraid not, for I have no intention of giving you up now. I've come to rather enjoy being a prince. I am the guest of honor at a banquet next week. It shall be quite an event. I'm rather looking forward to it. I have been given a rather fetching cloak. It is encrusted with diamonds and... Well, it'll be rather nice, I believe. That should be my cloak. Dragon, belch your noxious fumes upon him. Roast this imposter where he stands. Hubert rolled his eyes. Oh, sure. Now you want my help. Dragon, spew the flames. Dragon, eat the bad guy. Dragon, clean up your room. Why does he just sit there and grumble? I'm afraid your little dragon is no match for my defenses. Max, time to show yourself. With that cryptic remark, Aranus blew again on his flute. This time the muscular dog at his feet began to waver. 
The dog began to grow, its skin appearing to stretch and pull like taffy as the animal expanded all the way to the ceiling of the palace hall. With a sound like flapping sails, long leathery wings sprouted from its back. The creature hunched over, low to the ground, and spikes erupted from its back. What had been the dog's padded paws grew long claws that scraped the stone floor with a piercing screech. When the last note of the flute's haunting song echoed and died, a jet-black dragon filled the hall. Massive marble columns cracked as the monstrous beast's muscled shoulders brushed the walls. Chunks of wood beam and plaster fell as the dragon shifted the very foundation of the building with its movements. Each breath of the dragon was slow and ponderous and it rumbled through the castle like an earthquake. Flames dripped from dirty fangs as the massive creature snarled malevolently. No! Dragon! Defend us from this monster! Little peasant girl, tell the dragon to attack! The lumbering behemoth growled something at Hubert, who flinched and snarled back. Just back away or you'll be sorry. What is he saying? He says that he agreed to be partners with Aranus, and he has to honor that agreement. If Aranus tells him to attack, he will. Aranus, don't do this! You have been an honorable man for so many years. Don't become a criminal now! I'm a deserter from the royal army. In the eyes of the kingdom, I'm already a criminal. And I like being prince. It's nice to have a comfortable bed. Max, destroy them all! The enormous dragon lifted his head to the very ceiling of the Grand Hall as he breathed in. The wind swirled around the hall, raising dust motes off the ground to form miniature tornadoes in the hall. Lungs bursting with superheated air, the dragon pointed its long snout at the group of humans and spewed a torrent of flame. Down! Elizabeth and the royal twins crouched down and Hubert leaped forward to spread his wings, punny things compared to the awesome size of the beast, over Elizabeth and the others. The flame hit Hubert's back and spread out across his wings, the flames looking around the edges of the wings as if hungry for a taste of human. Hubert groaned. I, I can't hold us off for very long. It's really hot. I'll try to keep him busy while you escape. Run for the courtyard! Still, the massive dragon spewed flames at the group. The heat in the dining hall became unbearable. Several large tureens of soup exploded, splattering its boiling contents all over the floor. Magnificent curtains and tapestries burst into flame. What are you going to do? I'm going to challenge him. A challenge? You never won a challenge! Oh, thanks for bringing that up. Very helpful. I'll keep him busy for a minute while you try to escape. The captain of the guard is out there with soldiers! You'll be safer than in here. Go! Now! Elizabeth, Ariana, and Charming ran for the large double doors to the courtyard, but Aranus blocked their exit. I'm afraid I cannot let you escape. Whatever Aranus said next was lost in a deafening roar from the giant dragon. Elizabeth turned back to Hubert. Hubert had already initiated the challenge with the colossal dragon and was weaving back and forth, his legs shuffling from side to side. The jet-black dragon suddenly lunged forward and with a deafening scissor-like snick, giant jaws snapped shut, only a hair's breadth away from Hubert's neck. Hubert tumbled to one side, landing heavily on a table filled with sandwiches. The table collapsed, sending rolls and loaves rolling through the hall. Hey, watch it! This is supposed to be civilized! Max's only answer was another attack, this time a long spout of flame that engulfed Hubert's entire body. Hubert! When the flame receded, Hubert stood, dazed and blackened slightly from the extreme heat. I'm okay, but this is not how we challenge at home. Hubert attempted his own strike at the massive beast, but could barely reach above Max's massive chest. He dodged as the black dragon snapped again at his exposed neck. Hurry! Ariana's frightened voice brought Elizabeth back to her own dangers. 
you would kill us to keep your secret so you can continue to play at being royalty? There's no need for anything so drastic. I can simply transform you into something small, preferably into something that can't speak. You can go play in the fields and run from foxes while I live very comfortably as a prince. Aranus reached into his cloak and withdrew his magic flute. Putting the instrument to his lips, he blew a soft, lilting tune. Charming stopped dead in his tracks, a surprised expression frozen on his face. The air around Charming wavered. Feathers sprouted from his arms and face and he shrieked as his body collapsed upon itself. The prince fell to the ground and writhed as his body transformed. When the song finished, Prince Charming had changed into a little sparrow, barely bigger than Elizabeth's hand. Charming panicked and fluttered awkwardly in the air, spiraling upward and smacking off windows and beams until he disappeared into the rafters at the top of the Grand Hall. I should have done that the first time. Let him live in constant fear for his safety. Perhaps he'll learn to appreciate the challenges of a life as a soldier. And now for you, little princess. I think you shall enjoy life as a beetle. Aranus once again held his flute to his lips. Elizabeth, you have to help me. I can't do this any longer. He's gonna get me. Elizabeth turned back to the dragon. Hubert was tiring. His feints and jabs were slower now and he limped as he tried to avoid yet another attack by the massive dragon. It was only a matter of time now. Would Max simply place his jaws on Hubert's neck, as was their custom, or would he try to bite clean through? Elizabeth stepped forward, unsure how she could help. Throw a rock, distract Max somehow, when she nearly slipped on something. A small pile of sandwiches had fallen to her feet, tossed in the air during the dragon's fearsome battle. Elizabeth almost grinned as a wonderful idea leaped to mind. Elizabeth scooped up as many sandwiches as she could manage and raced towards the massive dragon. She ducked beneath blistering gouts of flame and stumbled as pieces of timber and rock loosed by the battle between the dragons crashed to the floor beside her. She nearly dropped her bundle of food as she fell, scraping her knees, but managed to hold on until finally, within crushing distance of those massive dragon claws, she threw the sandwiches beneath the dragon's front legs. Max! Peanut butter sandwiches! Max twisted around, bending low to scoop up his favorite snack beneath him, exposing his neck. Hubert saw his chance and leaped forward, stretched his jaws wide and clamped down on Max's massive neck. The giant dragon roared and thrashed his long tail as he realized he'd been tricked. Having now lost the challenge, Max collapsed to the floor, causing more debris to fall within the damaged hall. Hubert remained hanging on to Max's thick neck. Hubert, you did it! You won the challenge! Oh, great. Can you help me get off this duck? Elizabeth moved to help Hubert, but she stopped when she heard the eerie sound of the magical flute. The old soldier played a rapid furtive tune, and the air surrounding Ariana wavered. Elizabeth clenched her fists. She was so far away from them now, having raced to help Hubert, she was too far away to stop them. Once Ariana became a beetle, it would be impossible to convince the kingdom that Aranus was impersonating the prince. Aranus would be sure to transform her and Hubert as well. Her parents would never know why she had disappeared. Ariana gasped and fell to the floor as antennas sprouted from her forehead. Suddenly, up on the rafters, a tinny screech caught Elizabeth's attention. A tiny bird dove from the ceiling, wings folded and tight, and with surprising agility skimmed past Aranus's head. Again and again, the little bird dove at the old man, raking his exposed skin with tiny, sharp claws. Aranus ah! waved and slapped at the bird, but it kept diving and screeching shrilly until, in a dazzling display of aerial dexterity, the little bird snatched the flute from his hands and carried it several yards before dashing it to the ground. The flute snapped in half. The jewels broke out of their fastenings and the magical instrument dissolved into dust before it even came to rest. 
Immediately, the air around the little bird wavered. Feathers disappeared and Prince Charming grew back into his full size once more. He fell the last few yards to land lightly on his feet. No one bugs my sister but me. Oh! What have you done? Max, destroy them. Roast them all. The massive dragon merely snorted and rolled over, searching for more peanut butter. Get it? He was going to turn her into a beetle? But only I get to bug her? Come on, anyone? Anyone? Ariana smiled and smoothed her hair, feeling for the vanished antenna. Yes, dear brother, and I thank you for your bravery. I fear I would not have enjoyed life as a beetle. I'm afraid you will not enjoy your life at all, princess. You've given me no choice but to do this the hard way. Ernest withdrew a long sword from the scabbard on his hip and pointed it at the princess. The razor-sharp edge glinted in the sunlight streaming in from the window. Princess, do you realize that this horrible spoiled brat will one day become king? He will ruin this great kingdom. I have greater faith in my brother than you. He is young, yet I will not condemn him for the things he may or may not do someday. You cannot continue with this scheme. You have been a man of honor for many years, and I ask you to be so again. Please, give my brother a chance. I promise I will do everything in my power to help him become the kind of king we can all be proud of. Please, put down your sword. Aranus glowered at the princess, his sword held ready, but after a moment the anger seemed to drain away, leaving only a wary old soldier. He lowered his weapon and dropped it to the ground. Very well, young miss. Not because I have faith in this spoiled brat, but because I have faith in you. You may call in your captain of the guard and have me arrested. While I cannot allow you to continue your charade as prince, you have spoken eloquently on the peasantry's behalf. I believe the people of this kingdom deserve greater advantages than they have seen. I will work to ensure that the people of this kingdom have new opportunities to improve their fortune. As thanks for the good work you have done as prince, I will not have you arrested. You are free to go, though you are no longer welcome in this castle. What? He locked me in a tower! He should be thrown in chains and never released! The blockade for you! With chains! Whips! The Iron Maiden! Brother... Fine. Just make sure you tell everyone how heroic I was, right? Once they had opened the massive double doors to the Grand Hall and explained the turn of events to the captain of the guard, things were settled fairly quickly. Soldiers rushed in to extinguish the flames that raged inside the Grand Hall, and the staff scrambled frantically to rescue the food that wasn't damaged during the battle. With difficulty, the massive black dragon extricated itself from the narrow confines of the hall, and soon found himself in the courtyard. Elizabeth and Hubert approached the massive beast nervously. Uh, I hope there are no hard feelings about the whole uh, challenge thing. What did he say? The black dragon reached a long claw and plucked a shining black scale from his chest and handed it over to Elizabeth. The massive disc was like hard iron and more than double the size of Hubert's. It barely fit inside her pack. No, it is I who must apologize. I had sworn partnership with Aranus, and although I did not agree with this plan, I was honor-bound to assist him. Now that you have won that challenge fair and square, 
Max winked at Elizabeth. I am free to return to my own plans. I think I will return to that deserted castle. The lava warms my old bones. Perhaps we'll meet again. With that, the giant crouched down, and with a rush of wind that tore at the colorful banners, leaped upwards into the air before spreading out his enormous wings. The wings of the massive beast cast the entire courtyard in shadow, till he disappeared over the mountains, headed towards a distant castle. I kind of like that, Max. Even though he chased us and tried to roast us and the whole snapping my head off thing. Maybe next time we meet, it will be under more friendly circumstances. I don't think we would survive less friendly circumstances. I suppose I owe you two a reward or something for saving my life. The prince had washed and changed and now appeared as royalty should, wearing a red velvet shirt with gold embroidery and dark pants. Hands in pockets, Charming slouched over to the two friends. You'll be wanting gold or diamonds or something? N no thanks. We're not interested in that. We were only glad we could help. Oh, well, thank you, then, for saving me. You're welcome. The old gardener, trembling from head to toe, slowly edged his way towards the prince. Uh, excuse me, your highness. Uh, I would like to apologize for my behavior towards you earlier. I did not recognize you when you were disguised as a commoner, sir. I, I beg if you do not throw me in the stockade, sir. I, I have a family that I must... No, old man, I shall not punish you. I was so cleverly disguised, I'm not surprised you were unable to see through it. Now stop your sniveling and get back to work. I, yeah, yes, sir. Thank you, thank you, sir. Charming glanced at Elizabeth, who was watching the old man return to his flower bed. Hey, old man, you're doing a great job with the flowers. Keep it up. The old gardener's face split into a massive grin, and he fairly beamed back at the prince. Oh, thank you, sir. Indeed, I will. Charming looked back at Elizabeth, his face flushed, and grinned sheepishly. It's the little things, you know. Before Elizabeth could reply, Charming turned and strode off, returning to the grand dining hall. What was that all about? Before she could answer, Elizabeth saw Ariana running towards him. Her long golden hair billowed out behind her, and she held the hem of her white dress to avoid splattering it with mud. Somehow, despite the confrontation with Aranus and having to escape Max's deadly blasts of flame, she had managed to remain perfectly clean and composed. Elizabeth sighed and tried to wipe the worst of the mud off her dress. My good friends, the Grand Hall has been repaired, and the feast has been prepared, though not so grand as before. Thank you, Ariana. I am a little nervous about speaking to the king and queen. What if I say the wrong thing? Please do not fret. My father and mother are very excited to see you. I've told them how you returned our brother to us. They are especially eager to meet the two of you now. I still say it was a mistake. We could take the prince back to the old castle. I don't think anyone would really mind. Ariana looked curiously at the dragon. The way he growls and snarls, it almost seems like he can talk, doesn't it? Yeah, almost. At any rate, I do wish to convey most sincere thanks for your help. My brother may not seem fit to rule our kingdom, but I see great things in Prince Charming. Someday, he will grow up and become the leader we all wish him to be. And perhaps you have helped him on this road. I sense a maturing in him already. 
Arianna stepped forward and gave Elizabeth a hug and kissed her on both cheeks. She turned to Hubert. I wish to thank you as well, Dragon, but I do not know the customs in this regard. That's okay. I know what to do. Before Elizabeth could stop him, Hubert leaned forward to plant a kiss on the princess's cheek. In his haste, though, his blunt snout knocked against Arianna, and the young princess flew backwards into a large puddle of muddy water. Elizabeth cringed as Arianna stood and wiped herself off. Her beautiful white dress dripped leaves in muddy water. Oh no, I'm sorry. Elizabeth, tell her I didn't mean to do that. Before Elizabeth could apologize, Arianna burst out laughing. <laughs> well, thank you, fine sir. Now Elizabeth and I can match when we meet the king and queen. Let us go now. I shall introduce you. When Elizabeth stepped into the Grand Hall, she was amazed at the transformation that had taken place. There was almost no sign of the battle that had raged in this room only hours before. There were fewer tables of food, and many of the banners were missing, but the hall still looked elegant and regal. At the far end of the hall, surrounded by courtesans and royal attendants, sat the king and queen. They were dressed in velvet of deepest red and gold highlights. Jewels encrusted their crowns and hair. The king was a bear of a man, large gray beard and powerful arms. The queen looked much like Arianna, though somewhat older. Seated comfortably on the throne, she was the very embodiment of elegance and dignity. As Arianna led Elizabeth and Hubert to stand before the royal couple, a hush filled the air. Father, mother, I would like to introduce to you our fine heroes, Elizabeth and Hubert. They have a wonderful tale of adventures for us, including the incredible rescue of my dear brother. Elizabeth stepped forward and nervously curtsied. Hubert followed with an awkward bow, leaning forward until his head nearly touched the ground. It's a great honor to meet you, your highnesses. No, the honor is ours. You have rescued our son and stopped a power-hungry madman from taking over this kingdom. You will be treated as honored guests any time you come to visit our kingdom. And we are very interested in hearing of your grand adventures. Please regale us with words of adventure and excitement. Well, it all began when I went for a walk in the forest. I heard the sound of chains rattling and men yelling. I followed the sound and discovered... Boring! Let me tell you how I escaped the clutches of a vicious evil dragon and saved the life of a lowly commoner. I was trapped at the very top of a dark tower of an old and deserted castle. I was working on my plan to escape when I heard a crashing noise beneath me. As I watched this filthy little girl climbed up through a trap door on the floor... I called her to be careful, but before she could move, a hideous dragon lifted its ugly head into the room behind her. I burst from my hiding place and struck the beast with my bare fists, driving back the monster. You drove off the beast and rescued our young friend? What happened next? Then another dragon attacked me, spitting enormous gobs of flame. I ran at the beast, valiantly trying to protect the filthy little girl, and the huge creature bellowed out in anger and frustration. Sensing that even without my sword, I could defeat it. Do you want to get something to eat? Sure. Are there any peanut butter sandwiches left? Yep. I say some for you. Oh, thanks. I still wonder if we should have left Aranus as the prince. He makes a much better prince than Charming here. Maybe. But for all his good intentions, he was becoming as bad as the real prince. Did you hear him go on about his diamond-encrusted cloak? It was like he was starting to forget who he was. It's almost like being a prince makes you an obnoxious jerk. Maybe. Ariana's nice, though. 
She's not obnoxious. True. Ooh, did you see me before? I kissed a princess. I'm like that guy in the story. You nearly knocked her unconscious. I don't think that's how the story is supposed to end. Oh, I see. I think maybe you want to kiss too. <laughs> no! I finally got this dress clean. You drool! Hey, come here! Haha, <laughs> you never catch me! <laughs> Royal audience forgotten, the two friends left the ground hall and, bathed in the golden light of the setting sun, raced out to the courtyard to play. Written and read by Michael Taylor. Additional voices provided by Jackie Lazon, Natalie Swerda, Jen Sidlowski, and Monique Parker. This story and audio reading is protected by the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. This means that you are welcome to share this audio with others, but you cannot alter the audio nor use it for commercial purposes. Please subscribe to Story Hour Audio on iTunes or visit www.storyhouraudio.com for other exciting Story Hour adventures.